Yeah, so it's it's been a while uh, since the last, po- the last podcast that we did. Uh, let me just start that over. Yeah, which is just yourself. Yeah, yeah. No, no, they know who I am. It always is good. No, they'll just do it on the thing. Oh, yeah. Doesn't Stephen A. Smith always introduce himself? Oh. I am Stephen A. Smith. Hi, I'm Stephen A. Smith. I'm Aaron McManus, and this is... Hi. Hi, I'm Aaron McManus, and this is the Battle Ready Podcast. Uh, we put podcasts out when we do them, and it's been maybe six months since the last podcast that we did, and we've been hearing a lot about that, and so we are working on giving a little bit of an update of what we've been up to. You want to say hi? Hey guys, this is Erwin McManus, and we have been gone for a while from the podcast, but some of that is because we've been doing life, we've been traveling quite a bit, we've been working really hard. And we've been stepping into different experiences and different challenges, so we have more to share with you on the Battle Ready Podcast. Yeah, we're, I guess, two weeks out from conference, Mosaic Conference 2018, the future of, and I don't, neither one of us have our phones off, like we're getting text messages and emails uh, this entire time, but we wanted to just have a conversation and give an update of where we've been, what we've been up to. Uh, I think the last six months have been important for me. Uh, Venice started around Easter. Easter was our first real Sunday. And it's been a battle and uh, an uphill climb. And anyone who starts a church or starts anything in life, the first year is crucial. And I feel like we crushed the first six months. And then we've been getting crushed for the last maybe month and a half or month with different venues and different just letting people know who we are and being, I guess, almost like a marketing agent. How to keep the word out, how to constantly build and connect with new people. In the meantime, we've started Orange County. Mosaic Seattle and getting ready for uh, some more stuff that's coming up. So, well, One thing that strikes me is that uh, over this last six months where uh, we haven't been on the podcast, you have been initiating Mosaic Venice and then you helped get Mosaic Orange County started and you helped get Mosaic Seattle started. And those things are impossible to do if you're not on a great team. And it struck me how uh, we've just seen Clay Thompson hit what, 14 threes, and yeah, last night. He, he just beat Steph's record of 13 threes, yeah. and he tied Steph's record when Steph gave him the assist, and then he beat Steph's record when Kevin Durant, KD, gave him the assist, and so two of the greatest shooters in the world gave the last two assists so that the guy that no one ever talks about, the third guy, yeah. can break an NBA record, and it really struck me that a lot of times when people talk about teaming, they usually want to team with people who are less talented than them so that they can feel stronger or more needed. Mm-hmm. But what we're watching right now in history with the Warriors is that um, really the art of teaming is when you team with people as talented as you or more talented than you. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Aaron, one of the things that you've really um, developed a mastery in already, uh, you always talk about yourself as if you have no skills, no talent, no mastery, no ability. If you, if you wrote out your own uh, resume, you would sound like you're jello. <laughs> there would be no resume. Like, I'm good at nothing. Don't hire me. Let me learn. But what you are really great at is building teams, right. finding people who are talented or finding people who don't know they're talented mm-hmm. and breathing into them inspiration and confidence and helping them discover their talent. So maybe we could talk a little bit about um, running three campuses at one time or creating three campuses at the same time and right. how important it is to find the right people and what are some of the things you look for. Yeah. I think some of the things that, one of the things that we've been talking about this, I think I said this last night too when we were having a chat and, and, um, and a lot of it has been realizing that I'm not, I'm not the answer. 
but I'm not I'm not the reason why it will grow and I'm not the reason why it will die the decisions you can make will affect the growth and will affect the life of the church but tactically like if I show up it doesn't necessarily make a huge difference um, and and it's all based on in leadership and people if you put the right leadership in place if you if you build around the right people um, and that's something that we started with Venice I think from the very beginning saying that I want it to be a church whether I was in it or not like could it run without me and the beautiful thing about the guys in Venice and the teams in Venice is you know they they don't it isn't built around one person it's built around our church built around the culture and the leadership and the the ability to continue to perform and not perform you know in a, in a maybe in like a a superficial, a superficial way, but actually perform in excellence and, and, and be a team and connect to each other and connect to people who are coming for the first time. And we've just seen, even you know, this last Sunday, I think one of the things we like with this podcast is we talk about the failures. Mm-hmm. This last Sunday, I looked at my team <laughs> and, <laughs> and I drove to you right after and I said, this is what it feels like to get kicked in the face. You, you might be crying a little bit. I don't know, did I cry in front of you? <laughs> I don't know how to find you. But I definitely I definitely had I definitely had emotions and and and, and <laughs> it was just one of those weeks where, you know, flew up to Seattle, flew and it was amazing, phenomenal. That thing is growing and building and such incredible leaders and then come back down, do OC, feel like we're figuring it out, figuring a new place, figuring a new city, figuring new locations and then come to Venice and we keep getting thrown around and I think I woke up to the tech the email of, Hey, the last venue that you loved doesn't want you because you're too loud but they loved you personally, but they don't like they don't like how loud you guys are. And then this venue won't commit to us. And, and it's just, it's and stuff the last that, venue didn't want a church anymore. And the last venue didn't want a church. And the church before that, yeah, the last, the, the, the first church, yeah, the first venue where that was, there's a whole slew of things that could do, be its own podcast on how long do you stick in a bad situation. So we're, we've basically been orphans in Venice and uh, yeah. Santa Monica. Yeah, yeah. And one of the challenges has been, how do you build momentum when you're constantly yeah. hitting a wall? When you're constantly, yeah. it feels like the, the the bridge you're crossing each time is being blown up before you get to the other side. For sure, I got a DM today that from this kid, and it just you know if you go to Bible college, don't DM asking dumb questions. Um, <laughs> it just it just drives me crazy. But he was like, you know, I really want to learn from you guys from afar. How is is switching venues killing your church? <laughs> and I declined the DM. So whatever your name is, you ever DM me today, I would go just wasn't having it. Uh, and it isn't. It's 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 tiring and it's hard, but it's not killing our church. Well, a lot of times people ask questions like that because they're from parts of the country where there's so much land. Yeah, there's so many venues, and so many Christians that are, and so many Christians. And so you yeah. just you just pick a storefront or you pick a venue, yeah. and they want churches there. Yeah, uh, here in LA we have density and antagonism. For sure, <laughs> for sure, for sure. There are very yeah. few places you can meet, and fewer places that want you. Fewer places that want you, and then and then yeah, and and so we're right now we're a, we're three hundred people in a venue that fits a thousand or fifteen hundred, and they've been incredible. And there's this one guy who runs security. His name is Mark. And I do an all-call leaders meeting um, every week, an hour before um, the gathering with all of our leaders. And Mark is... I, I jump on the stairs in the lobby, and Mark is sitting on the other side of the stairs, like in his security booth, <laughs> with his walkie-talkie. And I don't know who he, who I don't know who he's talking to on the walkie-talkie because no one else has a walkie-talkie. But 
for some reason, I feel like God spoke to me in that moment. It doesn't matter who shows up. There's one guy, Mark, who does not know God, and yet he still listens. And something that told someone told me the first week we went there that Mark actually sat in the service, and that he he said it was the best part of his week, uh-huh. and that he felt like for some reason we we're there for him, and it it brought me. I mean, I feel like I've been brought to tears more in the last season of our my life than any times before but I think the thing it taught me was that, that it, it isn't about me it isn't necessarily for me it's it's for guys like Mark and, and, and each week we keep having people who come to Jesus and our computers crash our projector wasn't working and we're a video venue and so I'm having a panic attack about to preach on this message that I preached in Asia and I'm just scrambling, texting you, going, and you're like, is everything okay? and I don't want you to worry so I'm like, yeah, everything's okay and I'm like, I'll tell him afterwards it just is what it is. But I think one of the things that um, for me was highlighted is it's really good that you're going through such a hard time. Yeah, people keep saying that. Well, I, do, I don't get it. I don't get what it is. It's something about me that, that I, if everyone feels I need humbling. No, it's not that. It's that, that if it comes really easy right now, you won't develop the muscles you need for later when it's really hard. Yeah. And so when you're facing crises, when you're facing challenges, when you keep losing locations, or you're having to keep people's spirits up when really everything is falling apart, it, it, this is the context where you actually learn how to lead. Yeah. Because a lot of people look like leaders, but they're actually not. They're just, they're just floating on something that's elevating by itself. Right. It's different when you realize, wow, people could be discouraged and people could be really frustrated and... and this whole thing could fall apart in just a minute if I don't lead and hold them together and cast vision and remind them of why we're here and and take all this crisis and struggle and use it as a way for our whole team to get stronger. And that's one of the things I have actually seen, especially with your Venice team, that your team is so resilient. So resilient. I don't know if anything can kill your leadership group. No, I'd die before they did. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, if somebody said... Other than DMing you and saying, "Yeah, is moving locations killing your church?" <laughs> yes, because we're doing it on purpose. Everything we can do to destroy our congregation, yeah. we're doing it on yeah. purpose. <laughs> but it, it, it did. I was listening to this podcast because we've been flying to Seattle, so I've been trying to do as much research on just the Seattle companies and Seattle history. And and you know, a, a legend, uh, Paul Allen, died a few weeks ago, and mm-hmm. it was actually on the day that we did our first event, and it was, it was pretty sad. Yeah. He's just been so instrumental, and, and he's one of the founders of Microsoft. He's Bill Gates' partner, and left earlier on, and and built. You know, I think I think he built like was it Mopop and all of these incredible like museums and kind of things that give back to the city around the Seattle Space Needle, and and um and just falling in love with that city and and the new space and the new people that we have, and 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 I was listening to a Jeff Bezos podcast, and and they were just basically this podcast I was in. Uh, Interviewing just really wealthy, successful business guys. It, I think they did Steve Ballmer, Bill Gates, and then Jeff Bezos. And Jeff Bezos talked about basically how he doesn't look at the stock markets. He does not watch Amazon stock, which I'm sure to some extent he does. But he just doesn't. He basically the point was he doesn't base his emotion on whether they're two billion up or two or four billion down. Yeah. yeah, he goes. He said the market is going to fluctuate. He tells his team, "Don't think just because you're six billion up that that's how good you are." Because you will base your worth on whether you're six billion up or you're twenty billion down, and he goes, you have to just keep doing the work and keep focusing and keep having vision and keep planning and keep building and remember that what you're doing now doesn't affect now; it affects next year. Yeah. 
So he's like, we're thinking, a, a, you know, four quarters ahead. We're thinking eight quarters ahead. So what I what happens in twenty twenty two is actually the planning and the, the the preparing now. And there's been a really, I think, settling thing at times, or maybe it just sounds nice. Jeff Bezos, thanks for that. But it's something you say all the time. Yeah, and it's part of what you've had to go through in your own journey, for sure. Uh, when you started every week, you be high if it was up and. You'd be depressed if it was down, and, sure. and you were crushing it when it went up. And then yeah. you know I should quit and resign because I'm not good enough <laughs> when it went down. And, and every week it was a pendulum of up and down. Yeah. I'm telling you, you're, you 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 can't you can't be a prisoner to momentary success. Yeah. So what you want to ask yourself each week is, are we doing the right things? Mm. And if you're doing the right things, you just keep you just keep going forward, and you trust the results. Yeah, because it really is true. There is no straight line up or a straight line down. It's it's really a jagged journey, mm-hmm. and so you have to keep people focused on the right things. And you know, if you have a community that's loving people and serving them, mm-hmm. opening up their lives to other people, and if you're creating a place that's compelling and authentic and magnetic, it's going to happen. You just have to yeah. you have to ride through the storm yeah. to get through it. Yeah, you definitely. And I think you're getting better at not being affected by the week to week. But we're all human. You know, when you yeah. lose your venue and all the sound goes off and all the equipment collapses yeah. and and volunteers are panicking, those are the Sundays you just go, maybe this is the Titanic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is the iceberg that we will not recover from. <laughs> and, uh, and, but that's the power of being a leader is going, yeah. um, we knew this was coming. Yeah. See, we knew there were going to be bad days. We knew there were going to be hard days. We knew there were going to be crises. We knew there were going to be days that um, we would feel like we're drowning. So we we want to make sure we're ready for those days because we know they're coming. Yeah. So we want to be ready for them because yeah. we're going to get through them. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. And I think you've been really helpful in teaching me and even showing me kind of a, a peek into a glimpse into your past of starting churches. And even I think you said something to me last week. You're like, you sat me down because I was in that state again. <laughs> I was just complete and total misery and 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 lack of maybe my faith and myself and, and just start, you know my ability to get stuff done and, and as I'm like increasing capacity and trying to do more and more um, and really just trying to figure out how to be like more of a point guard and more of a wingman someone who goes okay I, I've, I've learned a set of skills and it isn't necessarily communication but it is how to throw in a great event how to build community how to build leaders and to uh, help the main guys do that and then also replace myself in that process. Um, and and you sat me down and said, do you remember when Mosaic, when I, when you moved the building, and you said, we're not gonna be here anymore. And you said, and you counted down from like, was it six weeks? And, yep. and then what we, the last week, I think no, you said no one believed you and you were like, yep, we're not being gonna be here anymore. And you moved it from, what was the size of what you guys were to like a 200, you went to a thousand or 2000 people. To we like, were much larger. To like 200 people in a warehouse in some like editing bay in North Hollywood. You went from like Pasadena, North Hollywood. Probably the most dramatic moment we had when I was looking back is that we used to meet in all these schools. Right. And we're meeting all the way east in San Gabriel High School. Right. And all the way west in Beverly Hills High School. Right. And the whole district, I don't know if the whole state of California decided to do renovations in all their schools. Right. We lost like five locations all the same week. Yeah. And we had to move thousands of people to the Los Angeles Entertainment Center that only held 
maybe two, three hundred people. So I had all these people who were even the suburban people in Pasadena and Jeez. the more conservative people, San Gabriel, and the more affluent people of Beverly Hills. They were all coming to the nastiest, grittiest, grimiest, grimiest nightclub club. in downtown LA. I remember one woman came up to me and said, all the elders' wives are outside in the front complaining. <laughs> I remember being a kid and going yeah. at 5 a.m. with, it must have been David Arcos, because mm-hmm. that would have been who, who would have driven me, I guess, back then. And going and like cleaning the bathrooms and being like, why are these needles in here? And what's going on with the, why is there like white powder everywhere? And, and <laughs> just being very confused. A lot of baby powder. A lot of baby powder, yeah. And, and then realizing, and then going now and being like, okay, I'm, I'm complaining about being in a 1,200-seater auditorium in Santa Monica, Venice area. And, and, and not seeing the vision and lacking faith and not backing myself and also not trusting that like over time God will grow something and... And, and remembering that it isn't built on a celebrity or on a follower account or built on a, on a who, who necessarily who comes notoriety-wise, but that it's built on people. It's actually believing the things that we talk about. It's like it's built on people who are inviting their friends and risking their relationships and, and people coming to know Jesus. And every week I think I like pray a prayer right before the altar call of like if one person comes to know, comes to, like, comes to know Jesus tonight, like I oh, will do this again next week. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, and and I think I've and maybe that's just wrong, and maybe I need to have more faith in that. But sometimes it feels week to week. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just like, man, I, don't, I know that I know that. Yep. You know, this last week I was like, okay, I'm, I feel like I'm main church Hollywood talented, Hollywood eight pm talented, like our our most alive gathering on the on the weekend, and yet I'm busting my face trying to build. You know, like, and then we go to Seattle with Lawrence, and it's so annoying. And twelve hundred people show up, and I'm like, "What the heck?" Like, I'm working my, my my face off trying to do this, and and then we and then we have failures and we have successes, and I think we don't talk about that enough. That that Mosaic is a brand, and 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 so is a brand. Like, there's, and I don't think I'm a failure. I don't think I'm failing, but it, but it feels like you're you're. It's hard. It's hard work. It's, you feel like you're building, and nothing's happening. And you're like, is anybody coming to church this week? Yeah. You know. Yeah, and going back to the original metaphor, I think I heard today that um, Clay had the worst three-point shooting percentage in the NBA up to this last game. Yeah, he had a horrible beginning of the season. it was season. like 18% yes, uh, shooting percentage. And then suddenly he breaks the NBA record. And it's, and it's one of those things where you, it's not just that you have to keep believing in yourself. Your teammates have to keep believing in you. Yeah, yeah. And you have to believe in the process that... If you just keep doing the right thing, because he didn't, I, I guarantee you he did not give up in practice. No, he probably practiced harder. He probably worked harder. He probably, yeah. you know, paid more attention to his technique and to the discipline yeah. of shooting. And you just keep focusing on doing the right things and trusting that the process will eventually work its way through. Mm-hmm. And you just keep showing up, and eventually, it's it's a. It, Everything that you've worked for shows up. Yeah, and that's the same thing I'd say with yeah. you know Venice Beach and Orange County and Seattle, and and, and it's interesting. I think in, in like the, in God's economy of things, sometimes you can really work hard at one thing, and you feel like man, we're not getting the return we should. Yeah. Then you do something you didn't work hard for, you get this massive return. So interesting, isn't it? Yeah, and I think it's because God really does honor faithfulness. Wow. And that He just has a way of stepping in. And showing up when you least expect them to, which is really incredibly beautiful. Yeah, and I feel like a theme in my life this last couple of months has been, you know, I've been like we've been trying to figure out like even just situational stuff, and 
and the thing that people keep saying is well it's probably good for you it's probably good that you're you're having a little bit of rejection or you're having a little bit of failure or having a little bit of and I'm like what is it about me and not to make this about me but like this relationship we have this conversation all the time um, what is it about me that people feel the need to humble do you know what I mean and someone asked me like you know you're used to getting what you want or or, or you're or you're you come off a little arrogant or, or XYZ and I was like no I think yeah, to me I'm like I'm, I, I've gone through hard stuff We've, we've gone through stuff like like I, I'm starting to learn how to find joy even though I like ride the emotion of success week to week I still have like found a way to find joy in the, the little things and like we had a guy who was drug addicted drinking all day depressed and he's still alive like he came to Jesus got baptized been serving on a team he's still alive and I'm like okay that's the biggest win if Venice didn't exist that kid would not be there and, but is there something about like am I living in I keep joking with you I'm living in my blessing <laughs> and you're like who, who uses that language and I'm like no I just how do you yeah how do you how do you handle that how do you manage that well I think one thing why do people keep saying that I think there's several things <laughs> one um, for some reason if people feel like you have an unfair amount of good things happen to you yeah. they have a hard time celebrating with you it's interesting isn't it it's only the people who really love you and really care about you yeah. who can really celebrate with you the good things in your life. Right. Because honestly, you know, I feel like people liked me better whenever I was failing. For sure. Because, and, and, and I found fewer, fewer people liked me in moments of great success. Interesting. And, and it's different than having a celebrity status. It's actually people who care about you. Mm. And so when people say to you, well, it's good that you're, um, you're having a tough time, or it's good that you, it's not easy for you. Yeah. A, I'm one of those people who said that to you. Yeah, no, I know. So I'm like, are you not excited for me and my success? No. No, yeah. How um, do you... Some of it is it's because I assume you're going to have great success. Right. But I, uh, but I want to make sure that you have great character. Right. And I know that if, if success comes too easily, it can easily allow an override in the transformation of character. Right. And so the only reason I say that to you is because I care so much more about the man that you are becoming than whatever you produce in your life. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because the I wrote out, like, if we were going to do seven episodes of this podcast this season, uh, episode four, I wanted it to be characters the only way. You know? And we didn't plan on talking about that. But I had sent, I think I had shown you some of this, and you were like, these are very emotional titles. <laughs> and then we were kind of going back and forth, like, how do we treat this podcast and how do we do it? And, and we wanted to take it to Asia while we were on the Asia trip, but then we were like never together and just constantly moving. Just working so hard. Working so, it was the first trip where I preached too, and it was kind of cool. And thank you, Kevin Lou, for believing in me and giving me a shot, even though, well, I blew it the first night, but it got better from there. So. See, again, it's like you, you, the first night you preached, you felt like you just were rubbish. Oh, I mean, you know, as pretty bad. And, um, and, but you didn't stop, and that's the thing. See, that, that's where the resilience comes in. If you just naturally were a great communicator the first time out, you feel like, oh man, I just crushed it, then they might build like a false confidence. Right. But because you feel like you didn't do well, then it becomes the second time isn't about ego, it's about faithfulness. Mm. And so you, you went and spoke the second time, even though you felt terrible. You didn't want to speak. No. And it was the next morning. Yeah, the next morning. Yeah. And so you have to get up out of failure and get back up. Yeah. They always say about pro quarterbacks, especially in college, the, the best measure of whether a quarterback can do well in college and the pros 
is how they play after a bad game. Because if they can get back up and play a great game after a bad game, they have the psychological resilience needed to really be great. And that's the thing. When you have a bad moment, you feel like you had a bad message, you get back up and you bring your best. And then when you went to Singapore, it was electric. I mean, I was so there. Different. You yeah. did such a great job and people were so connected to you. Yeah. And But you have to realize you're going to have bad days again, too. And, sure, yeah. and it's a part of the learning process. And so when I say to you, it's good that you won't have a hard time. It's only because I want you to have the resilience that whatever you face in the future, you can know failure didn't kill me. It did, it, you know, it hurt, but it didn't crush me. I got back up, and and it's really about the faith of faithfulness. I'm just going to keep at it. And I know for you, you have no desire to be public. You have no desire to preach. You really, it, uh, but that's not really the question. The question is, do people need you to do it? Is it, you know, does God need you know call you to do it? And um, and do you have something that you, you have to say? And I do think you have something to say. And so I, I'm kind of glad that you have to work through the hard process of it. Mm-hmm. And because I think God wants to do great things in your life. Mm-hmm. It's, it's easy to look great when it's easy. Yeah. It's really hard to move to greatness when the journey is tough. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and, and back to teaming. I, I think this is where I think you really excel. You, don't, you kind of assume that there's someone better than you at everything. So you're always looking for that person. Mm-hmm. So it's one of the reasons you're so good at building a team. There's a lot of people that I know assume they're the best of everything. Mm-hmm. So they can't build a team because no one's good enough. Yeah. Everyone, it doesn't meet up to their standard because they think they're better than everyone. You're the opposite. You're like, okay, I'll do this, but I know there's somebody better. Okay, I'll do this, but I know there's somebody better. So you're pulling people in really quickly. Yeah. And, uh, and that allows you to build great teams. Yeah. You're not a guy in the orchestra saying, I'm the best violinist. Yeah. Or I'm the best drummer. I'm the best, uh, you know, whatever um, trombonist. You're the guy who decides to be an orchestra conductor. Yeah. You know, I'm not the best, but I can bring all the best together, and I can create a sound together that we could not create alone. Yeah. No, I agree. I'm constantly going to you, trying to replace myself. Like this guy would work. This guy would work. This guy would work. And I think that's one of the fun things about Venice, even though it's small. And I think it's because it's small we get to get to do it. Is is we sometimes some Sundays we have like five communicators like every single piece of the gathering will be led by a different person from the welcome to the prayer to the all call to the offering to the announcements to the whatever it is and we've we've farmed out a ton of leaders from Venice everybody wants your leaders it's crazy yeah in fact the larger campuses oftentimes need your leaders because they don't have as many leaders as you have yeah so I'm gonna I'm gonna ask we're like the tri- we're the triple A team, like we're building. Like, <laughs> I've gotten into baseball and I'm also a Lakers fan and a Clippers fan now. We're both Lakers fans. You're really changing. I know. Sorry, sorry. Keep going. You're gonna say no. ask me a couple questions. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if you 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 are triple A if that's a good baseball analogy, but you guys are also like Navy SEALs because you're able to pull a level of equipment at people yeah. that other campuses don't seem to. Yeah. But all right, so there's somebody listening, and they're saying, okay, give me three or four handles on how I should identify future leaders. Yeah, yeah. So give me what's one? What's one? Give me one. One thing I look for? We already talked right, about right. that. Last, give it to me. Okay. 60 Loyalty, hands down. Loyalty. Will they, will they lean into me and listen to me even when they don't feel like um, they agree with you? They agree with me. Number two. Number two, um, will they listen when I correct them? 
honestly like will they go uh, this guy doesn't feel like like the, I think what I find is a lot of guys will go well I'm already better than you alright so loyalty and then teachability teachability yeah for sure I'd say maybe nothing would be like passion like energy passion energy uh, ability to commit yeah so they're they're, uh, they're willing to work hard than everybody else yeah and then the people who show up there's more talented people who won't show up because they feel like they're too good for it and the guys who are loyal and show up and maybe they're different and they're odd but like you look at like I, I always look at like the disciples and I go that was a pretty weird bunch of people and I go I, like my team should reflect like the diversity the difference the like I got I got architects and I've got like graphic designers who refuse to design because they're they don't think that they need to set up the baptism things and the, and the sound systems and like they want to start at the bottom and build from the bottom up and they know if they lift the bottom that the high the top will just increase 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 so we could talk so much more but this is we're what back. would you do? Four things. I think we're out of time. No, no. He started it over. Oh, you did? Yeah, he did. Yeah. No, I, I, I really, I would just reinforce what you said. When I would say loyalty. Yeah. And I think that, um, I, I, I talked to some you know, great leadership people and I know that loyalty seems like an antiquated um, value. Yeah. And I've had some people say, well, no, we don't need people to be loyal. Uh, but, yeah, but we only hide from the inside. Yeah. So like loyalty is number one because we don't bring people from in from the outside. We invite people in, but we don't hire them right away. Yeah. And uh, I, I I also think that teachability is another one. The one that you mentioned is that the, the um, it's not just a person's ability to learn; it's their ability to learn from you. Yeah. Because if they can't learn from you, they can't really be trusted by you. For sure. I mean, there's kids who listen to way more podcasts and messages and, and Christian whatever teaching and. And Gary Vee and all these people, and I'm like, stop! Like, I don't need you to hear their voice. I need you to really listen to mine, listen to yours. And, yeah. and, and it's different gathering information and actually learning as an apprentice to be mentored. It's very true. And uh, I, I really do look for energy. I look for a person's passion, their energy, their sense of urgency. Um, whether they bring a level of electricity in the room, um, yeah, you, you know, and whether they're fully alive in the moments that um, they're with people. And I, um, I also would just look at things like emotional intelligence. How, yeah, how aware are they of the way if they affect other people? Yeah. Um, are they aware of how not just what they say, but how they say it, and how it's affecting the culture and atmosphere of the team? Yeah. And um, and then you know just something really simple. Uh, I don't know what the right word would be, but it's like, do they do what they say they're going to do? Yeah, follow through. Follow through, you know. Follow through. It's, I, I would say that Walking this would be one of the number one filters out. Dang. How many people say they're going to do something and then they don't do it? It's the number one call that I have each week with leaders, young leaders. Yeah. Is, are you going to actually do what you say? You, you tell me you're in, you tell me you're, how do you people tell me? I mean, I'm loyal, tell me I want more. And I'm like, if you want more, do more. Like, just because I, I, I'm never going to act, like, the guys who excel in, like, in my, like, I guess, the, the system that I run in my teams, and it's just so new, and I'm still figuring out and learning from other people, is the guys who, who own it when they make, when they forget. If they say, I'm going to do something, and they forget it, and they come to me and go, hey, I forgot that one thing I said I was going to do, I'm going to fix it. Yeah. Because then I go, okay, I don't have to manage you. I can't spend my whole life tracking you down. I'm not your wife, or your husband, or whatever, your mom. Yeah, and if they if they do what they said they're going to do, you can trust them with more. Yeah. It's really what Jesus said: if you trust, if you're faithful with the small things, you can trust more to you. Hundred percent. And that is so true in every environment. Yeah. And you know, doing team is so much better than doing it alone. 
Because sure. when you're doing it, when you're building teams, you're, you're in some sense almost ensuring you don't have to do life alone. Yeah. And I think people who try to do everything alone are the loneliest people in the world. Yeah, and they don't realize how many people want to help them. Yeah. And they're usually frustrated going, no one will help. Yeah. It's because they don't create room for people to help. Yeah. And you always talk about this. You talk about bonding, bonding with people. Like, like if we provide everything for people, but they don't actually, um, uh, that we will bond with them, but they won't actually bond with us. Because yeah. it has to be mutual in a, in a sense. And it can be outweighed. Like yeah. our side can be heavier than their side. But, but, but people returning um, generosity and returning service and returning building to each other's lives. Mm-hmm. Like, do you ask them how they're doing, but do they ever ask you how you're doing? Yeah. And I find that even with like, the guy that's some of the most broken people um, that, that like, we work with, that I work with, and that, that oftentimes they're a vacuum of, of, of need. They're, they need everything all the time and they're never asking how they can help somebody and then I had a friend who was having a really 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 bad summer and he's someone who I love and someone who's been healthy and, and was just depressed and upset and hating his job hating his pe- being really tough to speak in his life and, and places that I know that we've been before and then I asked him I was like okay let's put everything aside are you, are you serving anywhere on a team and he was like no Okay, come. What do you, he's like, where do you want me? And I'm like, I want you to just set up in Venice. You're not even a part of the campus, but I want you to set up there. And in two weeks, he was like, this is exactly what I needed. I needed to be reminded that, that serving and building and, and preparing a space is the most important thing, no matter how successful I am. And it was just crazy seeing that. And he bonded with, with church and other guys the way that I feel like the church was in his corner. He was now in that corner. And it was just cool to see. And and I think it's something you are always telling us is like is, is create a bond with people where it's mutual where you're building them and they're building you and, and you're able to be in a mutual relationship and build into other people and, because so many people like they'll join our family but they won't let us join theirs you know what I mean and we were talking about that today like how do you merge the two how do you go okay I'm inviting you into my space you know and we do that in our faith we do it with Jesus like hey Jesus I'm going to go into your world but I'm not going to let you come into mine <laughs> do you know what I mean and the only time that the change actually happens is when you bring other people into your life, not just join their life. You know what I mean? Because you can just step back and go away and go and disappear and ghost the world. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And, and that's, a, I think, a, a huge thing that even young people in Venice, and I'm so appreciative that they, they show up and they keep showing up. Awesome. Yeah. I guess the end, in the end, it's about doing life together. Yeah, it is, huh? Yeah. yeah. And that's why I love working with you. Yeah, I, I love do. doing life with you. I love... Yeah. I love uh, being on mission together. I love uh, starting new campuses together. It's crazy. I love failing together. Please stop Instagramming new campuses in the other night. I know. I'm sorry. Like, yeah. It's just, it's, it's just good as far as it's it's happened. Like two and Austin behind the camera, he's laughing his face. How, how many campuses now. have started? I don't because know. I, because I could not sleep. I'm trying to think. I can't. I have someone. We have people, and I'm like around the world. I'm like, you see my dad post on Instagram at three in the morning. Please call me until I wake up. Because <laughs> like there's a campus in Ecuador apparently and a campus in Seattle and 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 I you know I love it I follow you anywhere but I need to get the the URLs. Well, remember the future starts in the imagination of a human being somewhere. It does. It does. It does. <laughs> yeah. So we dream and then we, we risk dream. and then we create. Oh man, the earth and soul. Hey, it's been great being back on our Battle Ready podcast. We're going to change the name. Are we? I don't know. I'm I don't ready. Either. No? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Well, right now it's battle ready. Right now it's battle ready. And right now it's every week except when it's not. Except for when it's not. But we're going to try to do this more often. We're going to do this more. And I think we're going to talk more about the grid. Uh, we were, I wanted to do this Sunday night, 
when I was an emotional wreck. And I'm glad we did it. But I also want to show more of those moments when we're tired and how we push through it. Because I do think that's one thing that you're like a master of is you're able to find a center and like a spiritual calmness and a peace that is so like necessary for a leader who's actually like knocking down doors and like trying to build church in a city that is crazy and wild and never sleeps and and then still planting new churches and building new leaders and you're working with 99% young people and having to trust people that are untrustworthy and having to build people who you're having to risk your reputation on and, and, and I walk into a room with you and I'm like your calm is contagious mm-hmm. and and so I'm looking forward to where we go with this season and it's going to be more real more gritty and we'll see what happens and in just a year you have grown so much developed so much as a leader can't wait to um, hold insights that will come out of your experience thank you hey guys thanks so much for joining us until next time yeah see you Aaron soon. McManus Erwin McManus battle ready bye guys <laughs>